When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding. No, I'm your host, Simon Brooks. And I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and we have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away. And bring you back safely. This episode is being recorded on Zoom, and if you want to watch this episode and not only listen to it, you can do that on the Story Story Podcast YouTube page. You can find the link on Facebook or Instagram or storystorypodcast.com. Hi, co-hosts. Hey. We, as your co-hosts and hosts extraordinaire, thought you might enjoy, as the audience, hearing a few stories from your intrepid hosts before the podcast goes on break for the month of July. And the first story for this episode is going to be by the host, Isabel Hauser. You can also find her work online at isabelhauser.com. But before she starts us off, Isabel, what are you up to this summer? Well, thank you, Anne. Um, well, this summer I have one very special project, a project that's very close to my heart because on August 1st, we celebrate um, the national holiday of Switzerland. And um, I was asked to do a program uh, during the cultural activities that go on in my hometown. So there will be uh, guided historical tours through the town, there will be music, there will be barbecue Swiss style, uh, not with steaks, but with um, servala, which is a kind of Swiss sausage that you actually only get in Switzerland. Um, and so they asked me to do a program uh, with storytelling and I decided that I'm going to do something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And that is a program with uh, Swiss fairy tales and folk tales. So I am preparing that at the moment and I've been really enjoying uh, delving into the world of uh, my own heritage and learning about all the special creatures that apparently live here in Switzerland, right under our doorsteps or in the forests or in the mountains. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. It sounds amazing. Some, yeah, are you going to share some of those with, with the Story Story podcast listeners later in the future, maybe? I might. I might, yeah, yeah. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah. Wonderful. I'd love to hear those. What story are you going to tell us today? I am going to share one of those stories. So one of the special creatures that I learned about is called Erkmandli. And I can't even really translate it to English. It's a Swiss-German word. And if I translated it literally, it would mean something like um, creature from the earth. And it's something like a gnome or um, a Heinzelmännchen, like an elf. And from what I've read about them, they live according to the philosophy of tit for tat. So if you're good to them, they will be good to you. And if you're not good to them, well, they can be quite vicious. And um, since their name, 
means like they come from the earth. They're really small, you know, like, as I said, gnomes with gnarled faces and um, tiny little pointy hats, apparently. And um, the story I'm going to tell you today is about one of those at Bondleys. And it doesn't start with one of them. It starts in maybe three miles down the road in another village where once upon a very long time ago there lived a midwife and she was the best midwife if ever there's been one. She had all the knowledge of the plants and the herbs. She knew which way to press and pull and massage when a baby had trouble coming into this world and she knew exactly when to be gentle and kind or very stern with the mothers and fathers to be. And in fact, that midwife was in such high demand that she wouldn't even go to bed at night. She would just sit in her rocking chair with her bag next to her and rock backwards and forwards, waiting for the next knock on the door. Now, one night she just settled into her rocking chair and closed her eyes when there was a faint knock at the door. She, it was barely audible, but she heard it. She got up, went to the door, opened it, and saw no one. She looked to the right and to the left. And she looked up and down. And oh, there on the ground was one of those tiny little Erdmondlis, one of those creatures from the earth. And it said, my wife is having a baby. And it, it, it seems like it doesn't want to come into this world. And I've heard you're the best midwife that there is. Will you come and help us? Well, that midwife, she'd heard many requests, but not like this before. But anyway, she went, got her back and followed the Edmondly through the forest, deep into the woods, and there helped deliver that little creature. It went well. And both baby and mother were fine and the father was delighted and so proud and he said open your apron and you'll be richly rewarded for your service and so the midwife who'd heard of, about the riches of the Edmondies she opened her apron and was quite irritated when he filled her apron with coal with pieces of coal and when her apron was filled, the little creature said, well, thank you so much, safe home. She didn't want to be impolite because she knew about the tit for tat philosophy and she didn't want to be ungrateful. But she was miffed to say the least. They wake me up in the middle of the night and I go through the forest in the middle of the night and I help deliver the baby and all I get in return is cold? She was so mad that as she stomped through the forest, she kept tossing those pieces of coal down on the ground. And when she arrived at her house, there were only a few left and she threw them into the fireplace. The fire had already died down and she settled back in the rocking chair and fell asleep. There wasn't another knock on the door that night. And in the morning when she woke, 
Her eye was caught by a strange glinting and glimmer that came from fireplace. And she looked more closely and she saw that the rays of the morning sun that fell through the window were caught and reflected in a rainbow of colors by diamonds and gemstones in her fireplace, but only a very small handful of them. And then she realized that whatever the Erdmandli gave her was not coal, but something much, much more precious. And you can imagine she was on her feet as quick as a flash out the door into the woods and she searched for those pieces of coal. But she didn't find any. And she never saw the Erdmandli ever again. And that's a local story. I love that. And it's such a nice twist on the, you know, when they give them coins and they get home and they just leave. Yeah. Right. So that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's a lovely story. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We've all learned a new word for gnome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. can you say it, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have it written in front of me, but I still am like, Edmondley? <laughs> Today's fairy tale sponsor is Fairy Tale Summer Camp. It is time to enjoy the summer, learning valuable skills and having fun with your favorite fairy tale characters. Dive into arts and crafts with Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Learn textiles from Rumpelstiltskin. Make your own shoes with the elves, of course. And learning braiding and knotting with Rapunzel. Cooking with Hansel and Gretel. And go swimming with none other than the Little Mermaid. Prepare your child for the real and make-believe worlds at Fairy Tale Summer Camp. That's a camp I'd like to go to. Me too. And now, the second story for this episode is by none other than our dear host, Sam Brooks. You can find him at diamondscree.com, where you can find his fabulous books and CDs. You can not only find, but also buy them. And his podcast, Conversations with Storytellers and Smile and Simon on Podbean. Now, before you start off with your story, Simon, what is something that you are up to this summer? Well, after, after last year of 2020, it is all work, 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 work. I am, however, hoping that I'll, towards the end of the summer, um, at the end of August, I'm going to drive out to North Carolina and hang out with some of our elders out there and interview them for Story Story Podcast, but we'll have to have to figure out uh, how I can make that work. Anyway, that, that's, that's basically it. It's wow, that sounds really exciting. And yeah. what story do you have for us today, Simon? Well, I was thinking that for this episode, I would do a special true fairy tale with a walk in the woods with my now, we're supposed to get super, super, super crazy hot temperatures today with high, high humidity. And so I decided that I would get up early this morning, put the alarm on for crazy early and get up before it got too hot and take Mo out for a walk. And by the time I got my boots tied and Mo was like hopping about, bouncing around like she does when she sees me putting my boots on, 
the sun was just cracking over the horizon. Now, when it comes to walks, even Mo's not a youngster anymore. She acts like one, skipping from side to side and jumping around at me. So I eventually got her into the car and we took off. Now, there was a beautiful, strong breeze blowing away a lot of the humidity from last night. So we had the car doors open, the car, car doors open, we had the windows open, and the fan was blowing as we headed to the woods. And we had planned to go to a different spot that we'd never been to before this time. And we had been told that there were some ruins of old houses scattered out on the on the, some of the trails and old root cellars, which I love to explore. It's always fun to find those kind of things. And so we headed out. And the smell of summer was absolutely upon us. You know, that smell of earth that rises when it's really hot and the smell of grasses and especially Queen Anne's lace. It's a really strong smell and there was lots of it on either side of the path as we took off into the woods. There was no trail to speak of. It was narrow and overgrown, but we made our way in. This wasn't a place that many people knew about. And as we got deeper and deeper into the woods, we met another trail coming from another direction. This trail was much wider. It was like a single track road, except there was no blacktop. There was no tarmac. It was just grit and gravel and, and earth, basically. Well, we go around this one bend and there's this, what at first I thought was an old woman bending over, picking some flowers or some roots or something and not wanting to surprise her as I was coming up and I called up a, a hello. Mo came galloping up behind me. She's always like sniffing new things out, of course. And she stopped by my side, her ears pricked up, full attention on this woman. And when this woman stood and turned and looked at me, it wasn't an old woman at all. It was this, this, woman who was much younger than myself, still with full skirts. And she had in her hand one of those big, wide, open baskets, woven baskets. And I could see that there were flowers and plants and there were some roots in it. And I, I was like, that looks really cool. What are you doing? What are you picking? And so she pointed to some of the plants and flowers and told me what she was doing. She was picking these plants and this is that and this is the other. And I was like, I didn't want to surprise you when I came up. That's why I called out. I didn't want to surprise you if you were lost in thought. And said, no, no, I had heard you come. And thank you. I've not been on this trail before. It's beautiful. She said, it is. Well, after listing the plants, she told us of these cascades not too far away and how to find them. And as we walked, she walked with us. She started to, to gather yarrow and other plants that she picked up, some violets. There are even some mushrooms that she picked and put on into the basket you know I'm, i don't know my mushrooms well enough to go foraging for them but she obviously did she picked nettles i used to pick nettles when i was back in england i used to make tea out of them the boiling water takes the stinging out of them well mo seemed to like this woman a lot she stayed close to her she doesn't even stay that close to me and when she stopped to pick some plant mo would sit down next to her kind of like when i sit she would sit down when i would take photographs she would sit next to me well we talked about the woods and then we came around another bend and there was her cottage she said this is where i live there was no smoke coming from the chimney the the tiles were slate on the roof and the whitewash on the house the small cottage it was obviously in need of another coat the windows looked like eyes and the door the wooden door it looked like a mouth that was pouting waiting to welcome people in and the hinges they looked like those old hinges that you find on medieval churches well this is where i live she said uh, 
I didn't know anyone lived in the forest. Oh, it's just me now. Well, thanks for your company, I said. It's been nice walking with you and I've learned a bit today. I hope I remember some of the names of those plants. Mo did a little jump, the front legs up in the air and danced around her a little bit. And the woman patted Mo on the head and then scratched her behind the ear, which Mo really likes. I told her that and she said, I know, which I thought was a bit strange. But then she said, most dogs like being scratched behind the ears. And I nodded. It's been nice, I said. And I waved goodbye and clicked my tongue to Mo. And we left the woman walking up the barely visible path to her cottage. She's a pleasant woman, isn't she, Mo? Mo kind of yipped at me. I said, I should have asked for her name. Mo yipped at me again. And then I turned to get one more look at the cottage, but I couldn't see it. So I backed up the path a little ways and I still couldn't see the cottage. Well, I turned back on the path and walked to where that, that narrow trail was that she had taken. It was like an animal track almost, but there it was. But it didn't lead to a cottage with little windows like eyes and a door like a mouth. It led to a cellar hole. There was some old broken steps, stone steps that led down into it. The area around it was flat, but it was populated with trees that were well-established. There were some wild strawberries growing and some other plants that obviously had been put there on purpose. But this was an old ancient cellar hole, moss growing over it. One of the sto stones had rolled down into the floor of the cellar. And on that stone were the plants and the roots and the flowers that the woman had picked. Mm. <laughs> with serious I'm going to take a walk in those woods Simon oh you meet all sorts of cool and interesting people in woods like that you meet the fae and, and I don't know maybe a ghost maybe she was a witch I don't know but it was really really cool sounds amazing now, if Mo had growled at her, that would have been something different, but she didn't. She seemed to like it, so that was... Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes you feel much better when you meet somebody mysterious on the path. It's Mo's yes, it very good... Yeah, if a hackles had risen up, I would have been like, whoa, okay, let's not go there. <laughs> Back to the car. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, as quickly as possible. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the new Magic Bean Patreon supporters, Lev, Christopher, and Gudrun. Lev can levitate, of course. It may only be about four and a half inches off the ground, and you might think that doesn't sound like much, but when you can't reach a vase on the top shelf, Lev can. If the ground is muddy, Lev can stride across it without messing up his fine shoes. Now, Christopher seems to know exactly who to talk to for the best advice and the most help in any situation. If you're late for a train, Christopher will per pick the perfect taxi that will get you there with enough time to get a bagel for the trip. If you're wondering what book to get at the library, Christopher will know what librarian to choose for the next page turner in your summer read. Now, Gudrun is the friend to have if you are too hot or too cold. In the heat of summer, they can call up the sweetest little breeze that will be so cool and comforting. In the chill of winter, they can touch a rock and warm it perfectly to heat your hands or feet. All three of these folks are generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. 
A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. You are the cooling rain shower on a hot summer's day. The third story for this episode is by our very own special host, Rachel Ann Harding. <sighs> hey, before you start your story, Rachel Ann, what are you doing this summer? So this summer, me and my honey are going to go up to North Dakota, where his family is. And we're going to go up there for the, the all-American holiday, the 4th of July. So we're going up there real soon. Because um, evidently that's the only time this little town in North Dakota comes alive. It's the, the best time to visit it is around the 4th of July. There's parades and fireworks and rodeos. So we're going to go up there and, and, um, and I've, I've never been to North Dakota during the 4th of July. So I think it should be a, a fun event. That should be nice. I love fireworks. That's one of the things that I do like about the 4th of July and the parades too. And you get to see all those old cars and stuff. It's, it's a riot. So what story are you going to tell us today, Rachel? So today, I'm going to tell you a story that comes from Scotland. And this is the woman who flummoxed the fairies. You see, it wasn't a party. It wasn't even a good gathering if Kitty didn't bake the cake. Why, if it was a birthday or a holiday or a christening, if Kitty didn't bake the cake, it wasn't worth going to that at all. People would make up events to have Kitty bake the cake because she could make the lightest, most fluffiest, most delicate cakes that anyone had ever tasted. From Dundee cake to Cludie, she could make desserts from buns to bread. Oh, People would come from miles around. They said she was the best baker in the seven counties and probably beyond, but her cakes had never made it that far. They were always eaten too quickly. Now, the only folks who were not happy about this situation with Kitty were the other crowd. You know, the fairies. Everybody knows they're there, but they're like that neighbor who's making noise and you just don't want to go find out what they're doing. You see, the fairies come to every party and they steal food shamelessly, but they never got even a crumb of Kitty's cakes because by the time people cleared away from the table, it was gone down to the very last speck and all they could do was smell the air. That was all that was left of the cake. And the more they didn't get cakes, the more angry they became. And so, the fairies decided there was nothing to do but steal the baker herself. And it was a late night. Kitty was just coming home at dusk. She had delivered the cakes for the day and she was eager to get home to Jack and her little baby. And maybe that was why she didn't stick to the main path. Maybe that was why she took the shortcut near the fairy hill. She was watching the fireflies dance among the rocks. And when the fireflies got close enough to realize those were fairies, it was too late. She had no iron in her pockets and they blew fern dust in her eyes and she fell asleep. When Kitty opened her eyes, she was in a shimmering, sparkling cavern. She was in the fairy hill. And the fairies were dancing and darting and running about. Some of them had wings, some of them had tails. And the king of the fairies, he had both wings and a tail. He was so small that Kitty could have held him in her hands. 
but he was king enough that Kitty knew that she should stand and curtsied as he looked at her. Madam, we have not had the chance to taste your cakes. And so we have stolen you and you will bake our cakes forever. Kitty watched as the fairies began to cheer and if she was frightened, she didn't let on that she was. She only curtsied again. Of course, your majesty, this is a travesty on par with cutting down a fairy tree that you've never tasted my cakes. Why, I'll make you one tonight, a dandy cake. Oh, you'll love it. Now show me to your kitchen, I'll get started right away. Well, the king clapped his hands and the little fairies trooped out with all of their cooking supplies. They brought their biggest bowls, which were no bigger than a child's teacup. They bought their best, brought their best ingredients, which were tulips and lavender and bluebells. And Kitty looked at them and she said, these are lovely ingredients and you have very fine bowls, but I can't bake a cake with these. I don't know how. You'll have to go to my house to get the ingredients. You need to go get flour and sugar, three eggs, some butter, those candied orange peels. There's some spices in a brown jar. My cooking whiskey, the fairies perked up a little bit at that. Don't drink it on the way home. And, uh, and some spoons, yes, bring the bowls as well if I haven't mentioned that too. The king nodded. The fairies trooped out into the night. Now back at her little house, Jack was feeding the baby and he was wondering where Kitty was when the door opened and he looked over, but it wasn't Kitty coming through the door. A line of fairies came into his house and began to make themselves quite at home in his kitchen. Well, in Kitty's kitchen, really, they began taking all of her big bowls. They were diving into the flower bin and pulling out some bags. They went up onto the shelf. They got down the candied orange peels and they found her cooking whiskey. A few of them tried to open the lid, but they weren't quite strong enough to do that. And so all of these things, the bowls, the, the spoons, they began to troop out into the night and Jack watched them go with the makings of a cake and then looked at the baby and said, well, wherever that cake is going, I bet that's where your mom is too. And I don't know the end to that story. Back at the fairy mound, Kitty watches in they came with the bowls and the ingredients and she began to mix the wet ingredients together. The butter and the eggs and as she was going about it, she paused and sighed. What is it, said the king? Did we miss something? Did they forget something? Well, not really. You see, when I'm cooking at home, my old cat, he comes and he curls up right next to my foot and he purrs and it's so calming that I remember every cake recipe without even having to look at the recipe card. And I just, I worry a little that if that old cat who wouldn't even chase a fly anymore isn't by my foot, I might forget something important and this cake won't turn out right. Now fairies don't like cats, but the fairies wanted a cake more than they didn't like cats. And so the king nodded and the fairies went out into the night. Now Jack was burping the baby when in came the fairies. They looked at him and nodded and they looked at the old cat who was curled up on Kitty's chair by the fire. And they began to shove each other towards the cat to see if that cat was going to chase any of them. But when the cat continued sleeping, they finally got over to it and they began to try to lift it. You know, cats are made of 80% water. So the higher they lifted, the more cat just bowed around them and they couldn't quite get him off the ground to walk away with him. 
Jack, who had been watching the whole thing, went and got one of Kitty's garden baskets, poured the cat into the basket, and the fairies lifted that above their heads and out into the night they went. Jack looked at the baby. Wherever the cake went, I bet that's where the cat's going, and I bet that's where your mom is, too. Your poor mommy's going to have a new story for you tonight. The cats and the fairy, the cat and the fairies, came to the fairy hill. And there Kitty picked up her cat and squished its little face and said, I'm so glad you're here. And she set it on her foot and the cat just curled up and began to purr. And with that cat purring against her foot, Kitty began to mix the wet ingredients in the bowl and sing as she mixed. Sing me a song of a lass that is gone. Say, could that last be I? Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. Now, when she was done with the wet ingredients, she picked up the bowl for the dry ingredients. She put in the flour, she put in the spices, and as she was mixing everything in there, she paused. What is it, said the king of the fairies? Did we forget something? Well, no. Well, I, I usually have my dog here and he sits next to me. He's really quite calm. He only protects the chickens and his little tail thumping against the floor. Why, it helps me keep time when I'm mixing things together. And I'm worried that if I, I don't do this the right way, the cake won't rise. Would you mind getting my dog? The king nodded and the fairies went out into the night and there was Jack at the house. This time he was changing the baby's nappy and in came the fairies and Jack just nodded at them and they nodded at Jack and they went over to the dog and the dog was sleeping by the fire and was not interested in going with the fairies. So the more the fairies tried to lift, the heavier the dog decided to become. Until Jack went and found a length of rope, tied it around the dog's collar and the fairies convinced the dog to follow them into the night. And as they went out the door, Jack looked at the baby and said, dog, fairies, cat, cake? That'll be an interesting story. The fairies led the dog back to the fairy hill. And there the dog bounced over to Kitty and curled up right next to her foot, his tail slapping against the floor. There you are, my dear. Now keep, keep with that tail going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep mixing this dry here. And she sang, Sing me a song of a lass that is gone, say could that last be I. Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. Now she had the two bowls, the wet ingredients and the dry ingredients. And she was ready to put them together, but then she sighed. What is it now? asked the king. We aren't bringing you the chickens. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for the chickens, your majesty. I just... I'm a mother and my heart thinks of my child all the time. And Jack is such a good father, but it would just ease me and clear my mind to finish this if I could just see my baby. The king didn't even have to nod. The fairies just went out of the hill and to the cottage. And there Jack was. He was bundling up the baby and putting on his boots for he was pretty sure he was going to be on his way that night. And sure enough, the fairies came in. They just nodded their head at him and he followed them out into the night. The moon was high in the sky and the stars were sparkling. He could see his way straight to the fairy hill. It opened up and in he went and there was Kitty, surrounded by fairies. She had the cat on her foot, the dog by her side. So that's where they went. And there she was smiling at him, Jack. 
Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Now just have a seat over there. I'll be done soon. Now Kitty poured the wet ingredients into the dry bowl. She picked up her spoon. She winked at Jack. And just as she began to sing, she stepped on the cat's tail. Sing me a song of a lass that is gone. And the cat began to yowl. Say, could that lass be I? And the dog, picking up the song, began to howl. Mary of soul, she sailed on a day. The baby, of course, was woken and began to cry over the sea to sky. And there was a yowling and a wailing and a howling. And the fairies had their hands over their ears. They were crouched down to the floor. The noise was ringing and it was so loud. And then Kitty stopped stepping on the cat's tail. The cat, with a huff, stepped away from her. The dog stopped yowling and Jack soothed the baby until it was just giving little hiccuping cries. And Kitty, with her big bowl of batter, turned to the king who was just starting to take his hands off of his ears. And she said, now tell me, where's your oven? I'm ready to bake. The king, oven? We have no oven. You could see in his mind, he was thinking how many fairies would it take to carry her oven all the way to the fairy hill, but Kitty stopped him. No, no, how about this? I'll go home and I'll put the baby to bed and I will bake this cake in my own oven and you won't have to bring it here. And I'll put the cake under the tree outside the back and you can take that and enjoy it for your festivities. And what's more, I'll bake you one every summer solstice and every winter solstice so you'll always have cake for your holidays. Does that sound like an agreement? The king could only nod. He was so close to tears, whether it was joy or, well, it was probably joy that he was going to get all of them out of his home that night. Off they went. Kitty holding the big bowl of batter and the basket with the cat and Jack holding the baby and the dog and the line of fairies behind them bringing the ingredients and the last one leaving a trail of sugar that glistened under the moonlight. At home, Kitty did put her baby to bed. She baked the cake just as she said she would and she put it outside under the tree. And the next morning, there was a gold piece that was left there for her. And from that day on, Kitty made a cake for the fairies every summer and winter solstice. The fairies always left a gold piece because they knew it wasn't a party unless Kitty baked the cake. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. That was excellent. <laughs> that was so good. Such a great story. Love some of those lines like that, the trail of glistening sugar. <laughs> I will wow. say that, that that's one of my favorite images in the story is that that sugar in the moonlight. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, that's <laughs> excellent. Nice job. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this very special summer break episode of the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find storytellers online, tell them you heard them on the podcast, and now want to hear them tell more stories. These may be different times, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers on the podcast and discover what they can bring to your very own home. 
did you know that you can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann at Rachel Ann Harding. Find Isabel. Where are you, Isabel? In Switzerland or at IsabelHauser.com. <laughs> You can find me at simonbrooksstoryteller.com. You can find me on Facebook, Simon Brooks Storyteller, and on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks. While you're there, let us know your favorite stories that you have heard or the favorite stories from your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is Rachel and Harding. Music is Huntington Bear. This podcast is made possible by hosts and patrons like you. Wherever you are and uh, wherever you're listening, thank you for supporting the podcast with your kindness and with your ears and coming back week after week to hear traditional fairy tales and traditional stories told by amazing storytellers from around the world. Now you will hear more stories in August, but until then, live happily. Live happily. Ever. Ever. After. after. <laughs> See you in August, folks. Bye. Bye. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth. Got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. very serious <laughs> there's a recording in progress i you have it in german oh it says it in german <laughs> what is what does that sound like dieses meeting wird aufgenommen <laughs> i'm like recording in progress <laughs> mine says hello chaps recording in progress <laughs> is yours it english not, it does not say that it does not say that. Aw, that would be great if they had an English Zoom lady. It probably is. <laughs>